1 and Psalm 33, verse 6 to 9. So, yep. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Me again. Good morning, Pathway. If you missed it earlier, my name is Ryan and I get to take us through today's passages. Yes, one was very short. We're going to explore the idea of the God of creation. Now, I don't know where each of you is at with the whole who created the world debate, but let me ask this. Do you think the world just came into existence by chance or circumstance? Or do you think it was designed and assembled and created? Now, I realise where I am. We're in a church, presumably with lots of people who believe in God. We are a church, and yes, I bet a whole bunch of us do believe that God created the world. And if we're doing church properly, though, there should be someone here who doesn't know who God is, who doesn't believe that he created everything, and who doesn't believe or know about what the Bible says about him. If we're doing church right, we should have people coming here regularly to check out who God is. So, I'm not assuming everyone here knows this God that I'm speaking about. And if you do, a reminder of his glory and splendour, never a bad thing. So wherever you sit on this, whatever side you take, there is a problem with asking the questions that I asked. Was the world created by someone or is it just coincidence? Whatever way you respond to these questions, they both require faith and an acceptance of some unknowns. And that is probably the only thing that they share in common. Another thing to think about is whichever way you choose to answer, they demand a very different response. One response eliminates the need for a designer. It seems to suggest, to me at least, a life without meaning. Life as you know and believe is coincidental. It's by chance. It's accidental, maybe. It's not intentional, perhaps even pointless. While the other response demands an acknowledgement that there is indeed a designer, assembler and creator. That life was designed and created and orchestrated to be who you are, where you are. There is a reason behind life, but what do we do with that? How do we respond to some all-powerful being that created everything? So wherever you sit this morning, maybe you've heard the whole God created the world thing a thousand times. Maybe you're hearing this whole idea of a creator God for the first time in your life today. Maybe you're in a season of doubt and feel distant from God. Maybe you're super close to God right now. Wherever you are with him, however you're feeling this morning, I trust God will reveal himself a little more to each of us today. Before we launch in though, I'm just going to stop and pray. God of creation, we humbly come before you now. I'm not sure where everyone is at with you, God. I pray that wherever we are with you, that you would speak to each of us this morning where we are at. What you have to say is all we need to hear this morning. Open our eyes a little more to see you. 
to see you in today, to see you in our lives, to see you in the world around us, in the good and the bad. Maybe at work in our lives through your word, the Bible today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at the age-old debate of creation versus evolution. Straight up, let me say this. I'm no scientist. I've not done archaeology or done Indiana Jones things. I've not studied fossils. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I'm no expert in the field. But I do have eyes, and I do have, contrary to some popular belief, I do have a brain. (laughs) And I can observe stuff, just like you can. Allow me to put my observations forward, and I will allow you to make up your own mind. Now, the Bible clearly tells of a creator God. Look at the passages that Gabe read for us this morning. The very first sentence in the whole Bible says, tells us that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 33 says, By your word the heavens were made, for he spoke and it came to be. Not to mention the truckload of other biblical references I could make here. That is the God of the Bible. He is the God of the Christian faith. We believe he created the world, the solar system, the universe, and he created you. He wove you together. He assembled your atoms. He gave you life. Now, of course, if you're a sceptic and you aren't fully convinced that what the Bible says is actually true, you can bring up a bunch of stuff to counter what I just said. And as I said at the start, I'm not an expert in the field or science or really old stuff. I just have eyes and a brain and I can make observations. So allow me to put some ideas forward. I used to be a mechanic in the former life, particularly working with big machinery like that big yellow one behind me. It works in an underground mine. I worked alongside engineers and designers and other mechanics to come up with and assemble new machine concepts and designs for underground mining work. These machines were pretty complex and they had specific jobs to do in a very unique environment. These machines, Mark will attest to this, are far from perfect. They have their fair share of problems, but if I was to ask anyone who was standing there looking at this truck in the flesh, how did this become a machine? I think I could safely bet anything that no one would say, oh, they were, just, they were not designed by anyone or put together by anyone. They just blew in the door, you know, and they just put themselves together. To think that is a possibility would be seen as ludicrous and arguably impossible. These machines were designed and developed by engineers who were university trained and experienced in the field. Not only that, but they were assembled by trained, experienced mechanics who understand what the machine needs to do. The parts didn't just blow in the door and start bolting themselves together. They were designed, they were cut, they were pressed, they were fabricated, they were painted, assembled, and then they were tested. So if this is the case with the relatively simple parts that were designed by overqualified men and women, how is it that we have a whole world that works like it does by sheer chance? Is it because of flukes of nature and vast amounts of time? I don't know. Could all, could all the parts to build that underground truck have appeared by strong wind that had just happened to blow all the parts into the same place and then somehow bolt itself together? I doubt it. 
even with copious amounts of time, say millions of years, is it really even possible that a truck could build itself? Not only just to look like a truck, but to actually do the work of a truck as well. I doubt you could get anyone to answer yes to all these questions. Now to further my point, this is a story I heard once a number of years ago and it has stuck with me ever since. Anyone have stories like that where they just stick in your head? Yes, this is one of them. I found it online because I remembered enough to get a creative Google search. I cannot vouch for its authenticity in that it actually happened and it actually happened to these people, but the point of the story is clear. So, here goes. Sir Isaac Newton had a friend who, like himself, was a scientist. Newton was a Christian and loved the Lord Jesus. However, his friend was not a Christian. He didn't even believe that there was a God. Newton had spoken to his friend many times about how God had created a wonderful universe. Each time, though, his friend would shake his head saying, no, and his reply that the universe just happened. So Newton had finished a design of a scale model of our solar system. A very skilled craftsman then built it from Newton's plans. In the centre was a large ball made of brass, which represented the sun. And revolving around this sun were smaller balls attached to spokes at different lengths. These balls represented the planets, and the spokes placed them at the proper distances from the sun. These balls were actually even geared together so that when you turned a crank on the front, they all moved in their orbits around the sun. One day, Newton was in his study, and when, a friend, when that friend, that non-Christian friend, came to visit him, his friend saw the model and instantly recognised what it was. As he slowly cranked the model, he studied it closely. He said to Newton, this is tremendous, who made this? Nobody, Newton answered, without even looking up from his book. <laughs> his friend turned to him with a confused look and said, you must not have heard me. I asked, who made this wonderful model? Looking up, Newton said with a perfectly straight face, nobody. Nobody made it. All those balls and gears just appeared and put themselves together. Now his friend was quite upset and he said, you must think I'm a fool. Of course somebody made this. He's a genius and I would like to meet him. Newton set his book aside and slowly walked across the room to his friend. As they stood in front of the model, Newton explained to his friend, this model is just a poor imitation of our wonderful universe. You know the laws and the precise order to that which govern our universe? I can't seem to convince you that this model, this toy, does not have a designer or a maker. However, you've said many times that the solar system, which this model represents, just happened. Now tell me, is that the logical conclusion of a scientist? So my observations, which granted, may be a little biased because I'm a leader in a church and I believe the Bible. But they show pretty clearly that things sort of don't just throw themselves together, do they? Could the world have just happened? Or perhaps the world in which we live is designed, like the underground machines and like the solar system. Maybe, just maybe, the parts have been designed and assembled by someone. So let's chat real quickly about the response to either of these questions. Whatever, you way, whatever way you choose to respond comes with consequences, for want of a better word. 
One response, like I said earlier, eliminates the need for a designer. It eliminates the God factor. And it seems to suggest, to me at least, a life without meaning. Life as you know and believe is accidental, not intentional. could even go as far as to say it's pointless. While the other response demands acknowledgement that there is indeed a creator, a designer, an assembler. That life itself was designed, created and orchestrated to be who you are, where you are. There is a reason behind life. Now acknowledging this often causes some unease in that you are literally saying that there is something out there that is bigger than you. That something is the author of, the li- author of life. And I don't quite know how anyone can go on living unchanged if you acknowledge that. But there are problems either way you go, right? This sort of decision doesn't come easy. Whichever way you go, it will have some sort of repercussion on your life. And just remaining neutral on this topic, that's really not that helpful. These are big questions and we ought to realise the seriousness of how we choose to answer them. So to wrap up this point, both sides of the debate require faith and acceptance of some unknowns. One way to look at life is that there is coincidental and somewhat pointless. The other acknowledges an all-powerful creator and God of the universe. He designed life and it has meaning. Believing this means life is no accident or fluke, but carefully designed and created by an all-powerful being. Now, you don't need to land on one side or the other today. Think about it. Figure it out for yourself. It's a pretty significant question for each person to answer. But to move us on, let's look a little bit more at this God of creation. We've spent a lot of time talking about God, the creator of life, the all-powerful being that designed and created everything from the billions of galaxies to the tiny little atoms that make up everything we can see. But he is not just that. While God is all-powerful and huge, while he did create everything, he is not some distant ruler that barks orders and demands his servants to do his bidding. He's not some unapproachable ruler who doesn't care about us. He is also close and loving and cares for us as a good father does. While God is huge, he is not distant. He's not far away and inaccessible. While the psalmist clearly conveys a powerful God by saying what he did in Psalm 33, for he spoke and it, that's the world, came to be. God, he commanded and it stood firm. And the psalmist also says, let all the earth fear the Lord, which is a correct and good response to the God of the universe. Now, fearing the Lord can make us think that we should be scared of him. And to some extent, it's kind of true, but it's more than that. It's a posture of holy reverence to God. So that doesn't make sense. Imagine you're going to meet someone incredibly famous and powerful who you deeply respect and admire. Everyone thinking of someone? You'd be a little bit nervous to meet them, wouldn't you? You would conduct yourself extra carefully You'd make sure your hand's not sweaty before you go and shake it, right? You would show them a great deal of respect. Well, fearing God is a little bit like that, except way bigger. 
you wouldn't just saunter up to some famous, powerful, well-respected person looking at your phone without a care in the world, would you? You'd be careful how you address them. You'd be respectful. The same is true of God. To be in reverent awe of God is to fear him. Not be scared, but reverently be in awe of his majesty. I hope there's no doubt in your mind of God's enormity and power right now. He is huge and powerful beyond description. But God isn't just that. You know what else the psalm writers, and in fact many writers in the Bible, say about God? Psalm 23, well known to many here. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherds in Bible times cared for, cared for and loved their flock. The shepherd was close to the sheep at times. The sheep knew their shepherd and they even knew their voice and their smell. Now, pardon all the farm, farm animal connections here, but in Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says how he longs to gather his followers. Jesus actually calls us his chicks and like a mother hen wants to spread her wings to protect her. Jesus, God, longs to cover you under his wings. Now, this is not a picture of some distant, untouchable God, is it? What about looking at how Jesus taught us to pray? What's the first line? Our Father in heaven. Now, there's a 15-minute talk on this point alone, but for the sake of this morning, is, is that a picture of a distant or untouchable God? Not at all. The creator of all is our Father, close, intimate, loving, caring. He is this, but remember, he is also all-powerful, the author of life, creator of the universe and king over everything. God is all-powerful. He is creator, but he is not distant and unapproachable. God is all-loving, caring and close, but he is not weak. What a God we serve. So God, the huge, powerful God, the creator, sustainer and author of life, the most hugest, powerful, incredible being to have ever existed and will ever exist is all that and more. Yet he's also a loving mother hen, a tender, caring shepherd and our heavenly father. God cannot be described in words as people have tried to exhaust thesauruses over the years. He simply cannot be described. That God, the indescribable God, left heaven and came to earth for you and for me. Now I'm sure it's no surprise to you that when I say the world, while it is remarkable, is not perfect. I don't need to list the things that are wrong with it as we experience it every day. But you know it was never meant to be that way. Humankind stuffed it up. We chose and still choose regularly to go our own way, to turn our back on God and do what we want. That's called sin. God, the all-powerful God, could just wipe out the entire creation and start again. But God loves what he created. So much so that we have perhaps the most well-known Bible verse of all time. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
God loves what he created so, so much that he would do this. He would send his only son to give his life as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is not the picture of a distant, unapproachable God. God loves you enough to do all this. Wow, just wow. So if this is something you've heard a thousand times, may I say it again? Uh, it may serve again, once again, as a fresh reminder and the, of the splendour and glory of God. The all-powerful, mighty God, the tender, loving Father, loves you so much. So much so that he died for you and made a way for you to be made right with him once more. What a joy and what a thing to celebrate. Not only that though, but what a thing to share with our family, our friends, our workmates. It is truly incredible what we have as Christ followers and we ought not to keep it to ourselves. And if this whole thing is news to you, if you don't know where you sit with it all, or if you're wondering if it really is all true, speak to someone here this morning. If you're invited here by someone, speak to them about this. If you just happen to show up here this morning, and you're by yourself, find me. Find another church leader. Share. This is what we're about. This is what church is about. We want to see people come to know the all-powerful, huge God our loving Father who gives himself for us. What a God we have, the opportunity to love, know and serve. The God of creation, the all-powerful, incredible God, and yet also as a God, as our Father in heaven, loving and close. And he wants you to know it. Let's pray to finish. God, you are the creator, the Lord of the universe, and yet you made yourself available to us. The God who does all this, who is so big, yet you are not far away. God, we come to you now. We can approach you, the God who spoke the universe into existence. From the enormous thing we call space to the most intricate detail of our DNA, you, God, hold it all in your hands. The God who rules over galaxies and calls the stars by name. And yet, you love us. Us, tiny humans. You love us enough to make a way for you, for us to be with you once more. That way being your son Jesus, nailed to a cross to defeat sin, to raise to life again, three days later to wash us clean and to make, us, make a way to be with you. God, we are blown away by your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, I believe we're going to wrap up with a song which is quite appropriate, indescribable. Over to you, worship team.